Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. We begin the final episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars, Season 7, Episode 12. Uh, Victory and Death, it's called. Uh, Commander Rex and, and Ahsoka are trapped in that room where we last saw them at the end of episode 11. They've been cornered by the indoctrinated clone troopers by Order 66. Um, and uh, just as they're about to be uh, cornered in this room, of course, because they're they're firing uh, blaster shots at the big steel door, um, Ahsoka times it perfectly, force pushes that door back on them, and they're able to kind of break away down the hallway. Then they're kind of hiding um, out from the clone troopers. Um and uh, eventually they devise a plan by which to convince them that uh, killing Ahsoka is not the answer. So, yeah, Rex uh, and Ahsoka send the droids off to help them with part of their plan. Rex is having an existential crisis about the entire thing uh, and about uh, how and whether or not he can kill uh, his clone brothers and whether or not they need to and the fact that they're kind of all outside what they're capable of controlling and he doesn't really know how to feel about that um but because ahsoka left the jedi order they use this as kind of their way to potentially create some confusion uh rex forgets the fact that uh he gives them all orders to to kill ahsoka immediately um this was right when he was first um in uh I guess, indicated of ex- uh, to execute Order 66. Right. Uh, and so they kind of have a little back and forth, uh, and they buy time. Uh, Jesse's not buying it and decides uh, that Rex is now also committing treason, and both him and Ahsoka need to die. Uh, and then the clone, uh, sorry, the droids drop the clones down to the second layer of the hangar bay. Uh, and so as uh, the ship is kind of sinking down to the ground because Darth Maul has gone into the hyperdrive room and literally is pulling everything out of the walls, the ship is crashing to the surface while the clones uh, are being tossed around by the droids uh, and Ahsoka and Rex are trying to dodge blaster fire, uh, send it back and somehow find their way off the ship. Right. The the rest of the episode is essentially just a really elaborate, tremendous uh, breakaway from, yes, from the clone troopers. Very, very difficult to describe. Darth Maul uh, essentially wreaks havoc. He takes the final ship that is in the hangar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the basement hangar does have a backup Y-wing that Rex is able to get to. Uh, the ship starts to pull itself apart and it breaks apart in the atmosphere as it's crashing down to the moon. Uh, Rex is able to get out in the Y-wing. Ahsoka just jumps into the middle of the air uh, trying to land. (laughs) Uh, She runs along the ship um, and essentially just finds her way. She falls with style, uh, gets into the Y-wing. Clones have died um, and the rest of them are on the Star Destroyer as it crashes into the moon uh, and the ones who weren't killed by uh, Ahsoka and Rex die as it crashes into the moon anyway. And essentially that's the the hereby proven thesis of Clone Wars and war in general is mm. that there comes death with... I mean, the episode is called Victory and Death. In order to win, we had to lose our men, mm-hmm. our brothers if you're Rex. Uh, and so a lot of the moralistic conversation that's happening throughout this episode, not that there's a lot of dialogue, but a lot of it is, you know, um, if you're on your side, do you have what it takes to kill your enemies, even if your enemies are also your friends. And so Mm -hmm. that final sequence where uh, it's over and we've made the great escape uh, and we show the helmets of those fallen brothers, if you want to call Mm -hmm. them that. All wearing her paint. Yeah. The matching paint, essentially. It's really striking. It's a striking moment. She she puts the the rest of the 501st, the ones that have been dedicated to her. Uh, She gives them a, a soldier's goodbye. Uh, She fakes her own death by dropping her lightsaber, and her and Rex leave. Uh, We get a cut forward to the future where Darth Vader uh, has scoured the planet uh, and has now found the remainder of his 501st Division, sees a fallen lightsaber, uh, realizes that there's a chance Ahsoka is probably dead as well, signifying her gravestone similar to the way a helmet would be. Right. Um, But there is a convoy call... Uh, Darth Vader looks up to the sky and sees a bird and uh, doesn't quite know why, but has a force hunch that 
his story with Ahsoka may not be over. Okay, I want to unpack, unpack a lot of what you said just there. Of course, I, of course you did. Because no, if you don't, if you haven't watched all of Rebels and Clone Wars and really, really paid attention to it and watched episodes over and over again, you don't know what that final shot means. Well, okay, and maybe that did me a bit of a disservice because I thought it was beautiful, but I had questions about the bird. I was like, what does this signify? Mm -hmm. I had questions about her lightsaber, frankly. I was like, what does it mean that she's dropped it? Is she uh, abandoning the Jedi Order? I mean, which essentially doesn't exist right now. Uh, is she doing that again, which she's done before? I think her own death makes a lot of sense, obviously, because she mm -hmm. needs to go into hiding as a person with Jedi powers. Um, and I didn't know uh, where this snowy planet is. Is it Hoth? It certainly looks like Hoth, but it also isn't because when she left her, her shit there, it wasn't snowy. And I also wanted to know how much time has passed because this is something that really uh, was almost jarring to me the first time I watched this episode. Um, we see Anakin three and a half episodes ago mm -hmm. and now he's full-blown Darth Vader and having seen Revenge of the Sith as many times as I have I know that happens fast uh, and, and I can also appreciate that that movie exists so we don't need to see that transition uh, dramatized again in this show I understand this is another mm. another story um, but it is still a little jarring that he was Anakin good guy saving the day three and a half episodes ago and now he's like marching through the snow as Darth Vader and it's just like, oh, how much time has passed? It's it's kind of uh, explain all that then discombobulating. Let's 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 dive into each of those little pieces. Then. Great. Let's, let's start off with with the timing of it. Time has passed. This is the first one of the first and easily the most prominent uh, instance in which seasons finally fucking change. Mm. Finally, a planet that wasn't a snowy planet <laughs> is a snowy planet at a different part of the year. Yeah, imagine that. So this is 100% to signify that more time has passed than uh, you would normally get as like a, a small time jump than a TV show. Significant time has passed. Also, Darth Vader didn't have his lightsaber made right away, his red lightsaber. He's got his red lightsaber on his hip in this. So okay. uh, initially during the earlier parts of... Uh, Order 66, uh, Palpatine said, go get yourself a new red lightsaber, kill a Jedi, take that saber, bleed it, and so use that, and so eventually he kills a Jedi, takes the saber, bleeds the crystal red, and uses that saber for a little bit uh, until he builds his own hilt as well. But it is interesting, isn't it, that uh, we see him standing with a blue lightsaber turned on, and in the same moment, we see just vaguely Anakin Skywalker's eyes yes. through those lenses. And so there is something symbolic being expressed there about how the good in him still exists. Yes. And seeing that lightsaber might in fact be uh, a conflicting moment for Anakin slash Vader. Like, does he hope that she's still alive? Does he still harbor no. some love for her? No. Well, that's, and, and I guess that goes to, to a, a different side of thing when talking about kind of the blue uh, element of the lightsaber. So this is a moment of Anakin doesn't get closure with Soka. He gets right. none. Uh, Anakin gets almost no closure with Anakin. Anakin, he blows up his entire life, and half an hour later, he's Darth Vader, and his wife—he killed his wife. Right. His best friend left him for dead and cut off all his limbs. He—he he, he, everything changes for him in an instant, and mm -hmm. so he gets no closure on anything. This is a small piece of closure, and Darth Vader, like th that's the thing, he's just a torment. He's the most tormented character. That's the the, the biggest crux that you can have with him. He. He hates so much. The only thing in the world that he hates more than than Palpatine is himself. Mm -hmm. Like he he just hates himself so much. And wow. so this is an instance of um here's a piece of closure for Anakin Skywalker, which Darth Vader likes because that closes more of that book. Mm -hmm. Um it's another piece of torture in the sense of okay, you would be getting closure on this, but you're denying that you're even Anakin Skywalker. And then the convoy part comes in. And this is another thing that tortures Darth Vader and he doesn't understand why. So I'll explain the convoy now and then maybe we can get back to the, the blue lightsaber thing. Um, the convoy is a force creature. So that bird, um, the name is Morai. That's the name of the bird. It, it has a name. Okay. Convoy is the species. Morai is the name of the bird. Wow. Um, and so Morai uh, was, I guess, kind of like the force emotional support animal for the uh, the <laughs> daughter. So I've mentioned Mortis in the past before, and yep. so there's the son, the, the father, the daughter, uh, and they're beings of the Force. Anakin, as the chosen one, um, had he stayed on Mortis 
uh, he would have taken the place of the father as a balancer of the force. The son, the embodiment of the dark side, the daughter, the embodiment of the light side. While they're on Mortis, um, the daughter dies. And it's the first instance of um, essence transfer of the force in canon. So the way Rey and, and Ben use it in The Rise of Skywalker, um, in her final dying breaths, she gives her remaining life to Ahsoka. Oh, okay. And so to save... Uh, it, she's killed, Ahsoka's killed, they're both dead, and in some way, she, I, I forget the specifics of it, um, or maybe she saves Ahsoka's life and dies right after, but anyway, Ahsoka is brought back from the dead as the final act of the daughter. So Ahsoka is brought back to life by pure light side force. And so Morai follows Ahsoka moving forward. So so the existence of the bird explicitly says Ahsoka's still alive. Uh, yes. Yeah. But Darth Vader, Anakin does not remember what happens on Mortis. None of them do. Right, okay. And so all this is is the Force. Like, they all remember something. something. Yeah. And they all have haunting of it. Right. And so this is another instance of Darth Vader being like, okay, well, what are you doing, Force? Like, this was my moment of closure. I'm holding her lightsaber that I held on to when she left the Jedi Order. She came back. I turned the crystal using my own mechanical capabilities and the force, turned it blue. Mm. So the saber is to a degree mine as well um, and was passed down to my Padawan. And this is a symbol of her death. And now I'm picking it up, trying to get a little piece of closure here. And the force isn't giving me any closure. Oh. I'm holding this and the force is giving me no closure. Mm. And I'm looking up at the sky and I don't know what's going on. Uh, and so then that's just another moment of Vader being haunted. Uh, so he's he's trying to even have a little bit of a piece there, and he, and he takes the lightsaber with him. And he doesn't know what's to come of it. He doesn't know Ahsoka's alive, but he doesn't. He's not able to gain any of the benefit um, from the fact that like, these were his clones. Like all of these hundreds of clone troopers, like half of Anakin's um, legion, his 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 group, he he gave to Ahsoka, and they all died that day. See, even just learning this much is. It explains why this final arc of the Clone Wars was so edifying for hardcore Star Wars fans mm. like yourself, who are really invested in like the extended story. Mm. Uh, namely, because perhaps the greatest charge on Rise of Skywalker was its unwillingness to give hardcore fans what they deserved and what they'd worked for. It mm. was so only interested in playing in the shallow end of Star Wars. Mm. And and this is very clearly, it's rewarding a person who's been in it. Yes, but as somebody who didn't get, like, did you not, like, it didn't take away anything really from that final part. No, it was gorgeous. It was still fantastic. Yeah. But I just got extra layers to it, and that's the way you should do it. And that's yes. the way that Dave Filoni really sets these things Agreed. up. Agreed. Uh, and so, yeah, I've got tons of notes. I haven't even looked at my notes once yet, but um, there's so many great moments that I can even talk about some of those a little bit more. But uh, I guess kind of that that final shot, there's the OG Stormtroopers. I think so that's another thing to signify that time has passed. Well, and, interesting. And because the Imperial probe droid, which I, I, is a very Imperial tech. I, I, I noticed also the OG Stormtroopers. I didn't necessarily take it to mean that a ton of time has passed. I mean, obviously the seasons have changed, so a little time has passed, or at least the weather is different. Mm. I just took it to mean now it really is the Empire, like yeah. which, is, which is true regardless. And so it still stood as a symbolic transition of power to me. It didn't necessarily speak to a, a duration of time. Well, we don't know exactly how long it is, but also they're just in hyperspace. Like there's not like I I don't know if there's that even necessarily a good indication that there's any way of tracking where the ship crashed. Right. There's a chance that this was a personal mission of Vader that he was just finally able to be like, okay, fine, finally it's done. Right. Like there's a there is an ability for this to be fifteen years later. Okay. Yeah, I that makes sense. I doubt it is. Okay. My guess is it's supposed to be a couple years later. Uh-huh. Um, and then that provides Vader uh, additional haunting because he doesn't find out for certain that Ahsoka lives until um, they meet again in Rebels. Isn't it interesting the that Star Wars, at least lately, seems to introduce uh, perhaps new mechanic of the Force and give you a few examples of it all in the same run? And I'm thinking of Force healing the way Baby Yoda did it and then mm -hmm. Rey also did it. And it was almost like we're being like, 
given multiple examples of this to just to better digest this new version of the force. Yeah. And we, we've seen it here as well because uh, Ahsoka pr- pretty deftly uses force pull to try and um, tractor back the escaping mall here in this episode. Oh, yeah. But we also see that happen done by Rey, of course, in Rise, Rise of Skywalker in the mm-hmm. Chewie scene. Yeah, it's a very, very cool moment. Uh, and giving up at that point as well versus what Rey does. Yeah. Uh, you have Rey who unleashes a little bit of anger that's hiding in there whereas ahsoka as i just mentioned she, like the force exists in pure light form within her well and, and she's an example people use of a gray jedi because a gray jedi people say is like "Ooh, jedi order but like you get to be cool because you don't have to be all like a priest no, but it's bullshit it's, it, it's the most bullshit thing i've ever heard the term yeah. gray jedi is bullshit um Essentially, what she just pe- thinks for herself. Well, what people create for Grey Jedi is essentially just, oh, you mean a Jedi just not during the prequels when they're at their absolute worst in history. That's yeah. the whole point. That it's for thousands of generations the epitome of what could possibly be the best, uh, most idyllic person in the the universe. This is uh, like this was the mapping of Sith to the point where they finally were at their absolute worst, and then they got taken out. Yeah. The Jedi don't suck. The Jedi are inherently great. The Jedi during the prequels sucked for a reason. They're religious extremists. Yes. So um, I, I I like that scene with Ahsoka where she's trying to pull it back with her force pull because a it doesn't do it doesn't at all indicate that she's not strong when she ultimately fails. Mm. Of course she's strong that she's able to do it. And it's certainly well established that she is like bananas strong, even in these four episodes, which is really my only Mm. um, frame of reference for her. Um, But but, she gives up intentionally. She gives up to protect Rex. Okay, sure. She lets Maul go so that Rex doesn't die. But where I was going with that is, as cool as I think Maul is in these episodes, I think... I think they're maybe a little too liberal with his with his force abilities in this episode in particular. He's just like like he he basically implodes a star destroyer with his hands and zero concentration. And I just don't know that it's necessary that he be the most physically force powered uh, villain in the galaxy. He's not, and it really comes down to the chaos of it all. And even like that's what like what you're good at is chaos. So yeah. what does he do? He does exactly what Maul is best at. What did he do on Naboo? He went to the the place where he caused the most shit. The spot where he could... He likes reactor rooms, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> there was an opportunity for him to isolate Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and the opportunity for them to fall down big pits. This was an instance where, oh, I can just go into this giant hyperspace reactor room and I can literally just... All I have to do is pull it out of the fucking wall and they'll send the ship down. You want me to cause chaos? Trust me, that's what I'm good at. It just feels like he's parting the Red Sea. You know what I mean? Like, and I just don't, I know that he's cool and he has a great tragic story. It just seems like what he does in that moment should probably be reserved for the strongest motherfucker ever. I see it as being extremely similar to what Dooku does when he tries to just make Obi-Wan, well, when he does make Obi-Wan and Anakin his bitch in Attack of the Clones and Yoda comes in to save the day. Like, Dooku's like pulling shit off the wall and he's collapsing in the roof. And, like, Yoda stops that stuff. Right. But, like, that's all Maul's doing in this instance. But he's just on a ship, so it's even less structurally sound than the inside of whatever hangar bay that Dooku was ripping apart. I do like the way uh, when Maul enters that room and he's just dummying these other guys who are shooting shots at him. And he, and he, he uses... The, he uses... Well, he does a lot of cool things. The but, Stormtrooper helmet? Yes, that's really cool. He uses that as a shield, a deflector yeah. shield. No, I really like when he just uses, like, uh, force push or whatever some kind of motion to guide the other guy's blaster to, so he'd shoot his own yeah um, his own guys i thought that was like really really slick oh i mean there's so many like great things with the way uh like he just moves with so much swagger in this episode well and just in in everything he's in it feels like and i'm kind of jumping all over but as long as we're talking about like cool moves and also ahsoka being so impressive when she uses both her lightsabers to draw a perfect circle around herself and create an escape hatch it's the coolest thing i've ever seen yeah well the bummer is that's part that was happens in revenge of the sith and deleted scene oh it does yeah so anakin and obi-wan do that as opposed to like what she does which is really cool using the force to like spins them both and does like like a pirouette what they both do is they both stick their lightsabers in the floor and they drop down and then that escapes them from general grievous because yeah. 
the opening Palpatine rescue in the initial cut was, I think, an hour and a half long or something insane. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> well, but, like, there's so many different crazy other, like, antics that they have on that Star Destroyer so that you get more of the, um, or the invisible hand, whatever it was. So. Yeah. But, no, that was a really cool moment. Uh, everything that Ahsoka does and everything, all the planning with the, the, the basement of the hangar bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, also, the the shot of the hangar opening as they're going towards, like, crashing towards the moon. Amazing. This is animation. How yeah. is that, like, so, like, cinematic in a realistic way? It's, it's it just incredible. It is. It's been such a joy to watch these episodes, in, in all honesty. Oh, that's really good to hear. Yeah. yeah. It, they are just so much fun. Um, and it, it's it's a bummer because I like I don't like to take um, I don't enjoy taking shots at anything Star Wars, but it was really refreshing after the Rise of Skywalker, where it just felt like every twenty it was like, for fuck's sakes, why do there have to be so many more things I would wish I weren't this way right. than things I'm happy and just ex- excited are because they are. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I do sort of feel like this episode. Uh, though it's great, um, maybe a little bit rushed. Like I kind of mentioned this before, um, just about the end and just suddenly it's over. Um, but I guess that's kind of how climaxes go. We've been building towards this all along. Yeah, and, and we also we have Revenge of the Sith to parallel it with, and um, it'll be interesting to kind of see. And it'd be interesting to see the way that it would have been intended, uh, like the final season had none of the any hiatuses had actually occurred. I believe we would have gotten a very, very similar final uh, episodes, but I'd be curious to know about um, the lead up to them. Whether I bet or not they're they better. Been, whether there would have been more. They're probably better because of that hiatus. Oh, they definitely are. But I believe that um, the rest of the final season would would have been much better. Um, had yeah. it come at that specific point. I don't think. I think they they cut out some arcs that were good because they also reused some of those arcs elsewhere um, because they were good. Like they made a Darth Maul comic run that that and. Um, Quinlan Voss and Ventress, they had a, a novel as well, Dark Disciple. And so they took some of the, the arcs from the final season or the intended final season and just turned them into other canon material. And so they didn't need to put them in this. Tremendous visual episode, not a great dialogue episode, but that's to be understood. We're, we're dealing with a climax. So, yeah. so like we mentioned, a little bit of nice chatter about existentialism and and, and just the, the hard facts of war. Um, all of it really between Rex and Ahsoka. But what were your standout quotes? Um, I hate to tell you this, but they don't care. Mm-hmm. This ship is going down, and the, those soldiers, my brothers, are willing to die and take you and me along with them. You're a good soldier, Rex. So is every one of those men down there. Mm-hmm. They may be willing to die, but I am not the one who is going to kill them. She says, ready. He says, yeah, I didn't much like being a commander anyway. That's a great one I as thought well. that was funny. Uh, it's not true, right? He loves being a commander. No. Really? He, he, he was just promoted in the final season. Oh, I kind of misread that. Oh, he, he's Captain Rex, okay. and so when he's promoted to commander, people, everyone was like, eh, "Continuity error." They, he's just Captain Rex in Rebels. Yeah, and I was thinking, "Nah, he got that promotion way too close to the end of the Clone Wars. He just probably doesn't feel comfortable with it." Okay, now he just gets rena- He just fucking renounces it at the very end because he gets charged for treason. That's right good at the too. very end, which that's, is good. Yeah, that's really good too. Um. The boys are having a rough time of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You wanted this chaos. I think that would be a really good uh, episode title. It's an option. Yeah. Um, um, you're a good soldier. Um, we're not trying to kill anyone. Mm-hmm. Or you wanted this chaos um, are all good titles, I think. I have an idea. Don't worry. It's a good one. Yeah, I, that's good. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that's it, right? Like, Do you want to do some trivia? Uh, yeah, let's do some trivia. Okay. Um, let me see here. You already kind of. I just actually at... have a couple other good moments, but like the the little cry from Rex that he gives, uh, and she takes off his helmet. Oh yeah, uh, and the scoring, mm. and just the soundtrack, the the sirens, the Death Star, like the. It's right. just like well, j- just just the melting of the moment. Like everything is just collapsing, and it's like you mentioned before, audibly as well as visual visually, it's just very cinematic. Mm. Padawan question: What does Jesse state is uh, his charge against Commander Rex when Rex defends against executing Ahsoka. So what is he officially arrested for? Um, failure to follow orders? Treason. Oh, well, I was going to say treason, but I didn't think that was a specific... Th- treason against the Grand Army of the Republic is the charge. Okay. Well, I did say treason like literally two minutes ago. You did. You so did. I didn't think that was still going to be the question. What droid did Ahsoka instruct to prep their shuttle? Oh, 
um, was it cheap? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I assumed you were going to remember Gigi and guess Gigi, so I went with cheap. <laughs> no, the- she told Gigi to um, figure out yep. what happened to this place or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, he t- uh, taps in the mainframe. Uh, Jedi Knight question. On what transport ship did Maul escape? What's it called? It looks like an early model of um, like a Tidarian. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know. It's a new class transport or an NU class transport. And th- like this is a really great example of how Wikipedia is aggressively thorough. Oh, yeah. Like, you can look up these ships mm-hmm. and learn that it costs 85,000 credits to buy one, mm-hmm. which is sensational. And by the way, I think with that much information, you could like very effectively um, reason out like the dollar value of uh, galactic credit. Oh, no? yeah. Like, you could, like, really create some kind of equilibrium chart. However, it would also be to have to look at, like, exchange rates by different planets as well, time periods uh, for inflation. For sure. Uh, because different time periods guarantee you there'd be major inconsistencies. Certain things would cost, like, like, uh, like a fruit cost the same as, like, a speeder at a different time on a different planet. I just, like, $85,000 for that ship doesn't seem that outrageous. That seems like a steal to me. Well, I mean, absolutely. Think about... Uh, uh, Obi Wan was going to pay Han seventeen thousand dollars to take them to Alderaan. Right, seventeen thousand credits. Right. Uh, Han's bounty was um, a thirty, I think. That's it, eh? Like thirty. Okay. Uh, could be wrong. Um, and like you mentioned, inflation. Like this is Han stole fifty from each of the of Kanja Club and uh, the Guavian <laughs> Death Gang. Kanja Club. Well, and just imagine, honestly, what the toll of the economy like think about the price of gas at the start of covid and how like order 66 surely dropped the price of gas or surely skyrocketed (laughs) that could be the case too much more i mean (laughs) friggin the empire okay jedi knight question for me uh jedi question for you um kind hmm. of a droid name is cheap i don't know i could hit you back with another dickish one what do rex and ahsoka escape on (laughs) oh I don't. I, did you say it was a, a Y wing? Yeah, but what kind of Y wing? Oh, I, I knew. Don't know. I knew it was not a standard Y wing, so I did have to look it up because I wanted to know like what was different. About then it. of course I don't know. Um, take a guess as to what makes it special. Uh, two cockpits. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a fighter bomber. It's both, okay, both fighter and bomber as All right. well. Um, it's the it's the BTLBY wing. All right. Okay, I did not know that. And I think you're going to get my master question because you already kind of indicated you uh, have this worked out. Canonically, how long will it be before Ahsoka and Anakin as Darth Vader meet again? Oh, um, well, it's 19 years between the two, uh, two years prior to, and Rebels, I think, I don't know if it leads up exactly to or a year prior. So we're looking at three years prior so it should be 16 it is 16 that's what i have okay very good nice 16 years and i i watched an episode of rebels i think it's ahsoka's first appearance in rebels she kind of like climbs down a ladder yes and it's like exciting to see her uh she looks older they do a nice job of animating her like Mm -hmm. uh, more of a grown-up yep absolutely and she also has a a vision of herself in the future on mortis and that's an interesting one to kind of compare because you get to see like Oh, there's the the artistic difference in how they drew those two people. It's going to be so interesting if she is, in fact, being played in live action by Rosario Dawson, which it seems like is probably the case. Mm. Like, that's going to be a very jarring thing. It's going to it be... Is. It is. It's a risk, honestly. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, ever so slightly, Alita Battle Angel, her eyes. Yeah, I think they probably have to do Just, that. It will change it. When you look at what Shock T looks like... Um, in, in makeup in the prequels it's like i don't need to see ahsoka looking like that she's an alien it's understood that we can we can work around this a little bit yeah and even they did a little bit of cgi with baby yoda even any more trivia uh well, i've got my master one yeah um who directed the episode oh um dave filoni no no i would never know then uh nathaniel villanueva oh okay uh, interestingly, uh, the only two episodes, he directed four episodes of The Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Four things ever. Those are the only things he's ever directed. Okay. Um, he, he's, he does art for 
Lucas like Lucas animation. Okay. Episode. Right. But specifically of his four episodes that he's directed, there's this one and the Phantom Apprentice. So oh, wow. half the imp- like are my two favorite episodes of the series. I wonder what got him that gig. Obviously, he had proven himself as as I've heard the worthy. name. I've heard the name. Yeah. Um, so he might be just somebody who works on a lot of Filoni's projects. Yeah, obviously they instilled a lot of faith in him. The story group, uh, and this wouldn't be story because it's art, but the story group they, in Lucasfilm in general, they recycle a lot of the same people for for different things, which is a good thing, the way they should. Well, uh, as you said, like he created some really good shit here, so hopefully this indicates that he can do a little more of that in Star Wars. And we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the next the next chapter for Star Wars animation, and so maybe he'll be involved in that in some capacity. Mm. Any more thoughts on the final episode of, of Clone Wars? Um, I'm going to say that I think there's some G-force in a force push that there must be because this episode, Rise of Skywalker, there's a lot of people getting knocked out by just a force push. Yeah. A lot of serious, like, people... When you say G-force, you mean, like, there's a little more to it than just, like, pushing you backward? It's like... Like G-force, like when you like take like an in, like an incredible roller coaster or like drop in altitude in like a plane. I'm not familiar with this term. Honestly, oh, you say the word G-force, and I think of the hamster movie. Oh, sorry, no. Yeah. G-force is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's an it's like a I think it's a rating to like seven or nine, um, and it's like the Richter scale, but for like pressure that the human body can feel. Right, and okay. so you experience incredible G-force as you like uh, the higher altitude you go, for example. Uh, so, so I assume that there's something like that that just gives them a whiplash to knock them out because that right. happens a lot in this one as well. Yeah. And the droids are not saying jub-jub, but the chirps do sound like jub-jub. So I did pick up on that from last time. I noticed it in the last episode. Um, I just, and yeah, that, that the, the burial, the graves, it's, it's just such a haunting shot, but yeah. a, a really great one. And uh, just kind of slaps Ahsoka in the face. Like, cause I mean, she's, everything she's known is the clone wars really as a jedi and and all these clones the people who are friends she's all she's known as being a jedi she drops her lightsaber she sees all the clone faces she's got nothing everything Mm. she's it's just staring back at her and so it's symbolizing the death that she fakes as well and because she kind of is dead and everything about her and there's nothing the world she knew is dead yeah but everything yeah. about her even as well she stopped being a jedi at that point um and the the people that she was helping um even the people that she was closest with like the clones for example didn't take them long like they all turned on her so, so where does rex go now what what how does what does he do does he join the rebels well colin that would be a wonderful transition into some news. Hey, okay. Uh, and so we did get some fantastic news that they are doing. And I, t- I did mention this a little, a little while back. You were so kind the, of on to this. The rumor did uh, prove to be true yep. uh, that The Bad Batch is going to be the sequel to The Clone Wars. That's and, a great title. Yep. It's a great. Uh, and so the first four episodes of season seven were on The Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they were focused around these characters. Um, Echo, who is uh, one of Rex's uh, close friends, uh, the clones, um, and he actually joins uh, the Bad Batch uh, in the episode four. Uh, and so these are specialized clones, uh, the way Lucasfilm puts it. They have, uh, I believe, idealized deformations. Um, the series follows an elite and experimental clones of the Bad Batch uh, as they find their way in a rapidly changing galaxy in the immediate aftermath of the Clone Wars. Members of the Bad Batch, a unique squad of clones with varying gen- with who vary genetically from their brothers in the clone army, each possess a singular exceptional skill which makes them extraordinary effective soldiers and a formidable crew. Um, they'll take on daring, daring mercenary missions as they struggle to stay afloat with a new purpose. Okay. So maybe they will be working for the Empire. Maybe they'll be more of uh, bounty hunters. Maybe they'll work for some of the cartels. Maybe they'll work for the Huts. Maybe they'll work for Crimson Dawn. Um, who knows? So there's plenty of different opportunities as to how you can integrate them in there. Uh, but there's also uh, significant um, smoke that... Rex will be in this series as well. I mean, why not? And so likely Ahsoka in a smaller capacity mm. um, to just continue her story on uh, in that 16-year time window. 
there's some other stuff, but there's not a whole lot in that time frame for her. She's becoming one uh, of the most widespread Star Wars characters. Though. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Dave Filoni's in charge now. and that's... He does love her. She's, she's his baby. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. the character that he's built the hero's journey with the most for. And so it's got that kind of Anakin Skywalker level the way that George Lucas did. Um, and, and I think rightfully so, but I mean, we also don't want too much overkill. Nope. Um, but I think Rex is very appropriate. And also when we meet Rex in uh, rebels, he has recruited a few other clones, some other clones and got the inhibitor chips removed from them. And so maybe that's part of the mission. Like maybe they go after Rex. Maybe that's one of the, like, they have an assassination mix mission and okay. he turns them. Right. Uh, but you're pretty sure Rex is still alive canonically. He hasn't, like, he should be alive come the time of the Mandalorian. And Oh, sorry. Yeah. Rex. Um, we talked about it before. Yes, because we have the uh, canon option of making him that guy in Return of the Jedi. Right. Um, and so I also believe that if he is in the Mandalorian uh, and if they do, or if they do create a rebel sequel series, which is also heavily, heavily still rumored that mm. they're going to do that as well. Um, that, um, because also the same leakers who said the Clone Wars Bad Batch thing uh, are also saying the Rebels sequel series, which would take place, whether that's uh, animation or live action, would take place with Thrawn, Ezra, uh, Rex, Ahsoka, Sabine. But any, any Rex risk? would be trying to stop the accelerated aging. Any risk, uh, risk of them uh, making the age target a little low like they did with Resistance, which would be disappointing? No. Um, uh, sorry, for Bad Batch? Yeah. Chance? Uh, there's a chance that it could be not, I would be surprised if it was as juvenile as resistance. I would expect it to maybe be, I expect both of these to be in the, the clone wars rebels. That's fine. That'd be okay. Um, frame. And so hopefully, and like, yeah, it's absolutely okay. I'd be curious to know, um, if they'll both be at a similar tone, whether they'll kind of try and mirror what rebels and clone wars did in the sense of aging from, like with the show as well, like will it start out a little lighter and get darker? But it sounds like Bad Batch can't start out in a very lighthearted no, way. No, um, but then again, Star Wars is always about war, so it's never really that lighthearted of a time period. Right. There's been lots of yahoos through the gunfire in Star Wars. Yeah. Know? So that'll be really interesting. Either way, it's it's exciting to kind of see. Uh, I mean, it could be a, like they are very much caricatures at the moment. Mm -hmm. The Bad Batch, they're not really. They're very specific to their skill set. One's super strong. One is a sniper. One is um, technologically savvy. And so like, they all have very obvious skill sets to their crew. But in that same way, it'll be interesting to see how they can maybe be a little bit more characters beyond what they're good at. Right. Um, and so it, it, maybe they'll be... It would be really cool to see just in general how the clones are dealing with this transition period and whether there's like a big clone civil war with... The number of them who stay in the Empire, the ones who leave. Maybe Rex does a little bit of an underground operation, getting different clones out of the Empire and taking, getting their inhibitor chips out. So I do think we need to better develop the the status of defection within the the stormtrooper regime because obviously we've seen it with Rex now and mm, most and notably most notably we've seen it with Finn but surely it happens more mm. and I'd like to see that that's right I mean there's a whole uh, company of force sensitives uh, who just ended up on Kef Burr right they all had the force and were able to sense it and drop their weapons but they couldn't get off the fucking ocean moon nope and they just ride around on llamas uh, they were, and uh, you mean the Orbox yeah. and also the the backup skiff that they had that they didn't have at the start and the right. skiff that they had <laughs> and the fact that they were able to get over there because they were experienced enough and they knew how the waters were but they weren't able to get any of the tie fighters out of the old death star to leave the planet right. even though kylo did that to be able to never mind yeah that's too <laughs> negative we don't need to be negative i know other things other things going on in the news lots of stuff yes uh still kind of keeping in the television news uh let's go to another let's go to rumor uh, you could take this with a like a crate-sized grain of salt, but uh, there's a good, good, good chance uh, that uh, we're getting Hayden Christensen back in more in, in a solid capacity in the Obi Wan TV show, and okay. that he's been he was always intended to be in it, but that it was going to be released at Celebration, obviously along with Bad Batch. So you really want Darth Vader to be prominent in the show? You think that should be the I way to, to resolve that character for a long period of time? And if they do that, they should put Hayden in the suit. Uh, not necessarily. 
Um, but this is indicating that it is more than a, a dream that Obi-Wan wakes up in or a singular flashback, that this is potentially a few flashbacks, a dream sequence, a uh, forced conversation, uh, so like maybe a little bit of forced Skype. Um, oh, wow. Who knows? With the memory of like a la Han Solo. You know, we can use that mechanic now too. You can absolutely use that mechanic. Yeah. Um, and then you can also have it similarly to the way it's it's done in Rebels. And you can have you can have Obi-Wan kick his ass again. Honestly, yeah. Because what happens, does Darth Vader say to him in, in A New Hope? When I left you, I was but the learner. Right. Now I am the master. Yes, well that so can apply to Re- it, Revenge of the Sith. It can, but that means that if they do meet again... Obi-Wan's got to kick his ass again. That's true. That's true. And if he's kicking his ass again, we could get a Vader with part of his suit chopped up. Mm. And if his suit's chopped up, then we got to see Hayden Christensen underneath. Yeah. And so if he was going to be brought back for a very small capacity, it's larger than that now. And that the rumor came out that the paperwork was signed in the last couple days. Hayden Christensen deserves this. Yes. He deserves a moment in the spotlight where everyone will champion him. Mm -hmm. Because honestly... He's been through a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, as a as a member of the Star Wars community who matters as much as he does, it maybe killed his career. And that's, yeah. a, that's a terrible shame. Yeah. What, a 19-year-old gets to play, like, Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader, and you're going to say no to that, and you think it's going to absolutely skyrocket yeah. your career? Because they wanted Leo first? Well, and the script wasn't good. Like, like no. you, you mentioned recently, like, Natalie Portman was pretty sure she'd never work again. And that's reasonable. Yeah. Now, she did climb her way out. And uh, I think that it's time that Hayden got that opportunity also. Yeah. And he adored working with George Lucas. And George Lucas adored working with him. But that does not mean George Lucas was a good director for a young actor. No, he wasn't. Yeah. No. I mean, Hayden Christensen played that role exactly the way George wanted. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of spots, it's right. And everybody was wrong. Right. Um, I'm sorry. But like, yeah, we wanted to be cool and badass. But like he should kind of be whiny and confused. Right. It is one of the most logical things that there is. There are problems that no, no, I love you more. And uh, <laughs> I truly, deeply love you. Or the, the kiss that haunts me. Like, there's some lines for sure, but... <laughs> the kiss that haunts me. That you never should have given me. Oh, so love has blinded you? That's right. <laughs> That's the worst. That's the worst interchange no. in the whole... Oh, my God. No, um, I love you more. Oh, geez, that's good. You as they first. stand fifty feet away. Yeah, <laughs> glorious, glorious. Anyway, he needs this redemption. I think yes. it's going to happen. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's only going to be small. Um, but I mean, Obi, like you and McGregor is excited um, to get to work in a non prequel esque environment with no blue screens, but the volume. So right. it's going to be cool to see Hayden if that's the case as well. So very exciting if that does indeed happen. A couple other things for television. Giancarlo Esposito has been saying a few things about Mando Season 2. He's been very good at uh, giving little tidbits that don't give anything away, but show how excited he is. He's Uh, good at PR is what you're saying. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I have to say, it's such an honor. Uh, Very few have wielded that saber. It was just very wonderful to be uh, in the organic version of this story. John Favreau asked me to do it, and I was head over heels. He mentioned that he had written it for me, and I went and I started looking at old moths. What's a moth? You know, I went back and looked at Peter Cushing. He was a moth, you know, what they do, who they are. (laughs) So to be in that position of having that kind of regal, graceful power, but have this saber which delineates a different part of me than any other character, to have this saber means I can use it and I can do my own dirty work, that I'm a fighter, that I'm a warrior, that it's part of me. It also creates this possibility that he is, you know, one of those. Possibly he has that. Uh, and that's pretty interesting to me. Is he a fallen hero? Is he a descendant of Darth Vader? Who is he? What does he want? A descendant of Darth Vader? He knows a lot about everything, and you'll have to wait to find out, because he's actually pretty good with that Darksaber. That, okay, that sounds so exciting. When he says descendant of Darth Vader, he means like a former apprentice of Darth yes. Vader. Yes. Okay. That's what he means. He would mean like an Inquisitor or... Uh, that would be amazing, by the way. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. Um, or even if he was a fallen Jedi um, who like tried to make it like... like well, that they is, were th- is he one of those? Does he have that? <laughs> That's hilarious. I love well, I mean, he's he's, he, he's really given, and he does also say um, that he does share a lot of screen time with um, Baby Yoda. Oh, awesome! Yeah, 
Great. Looking uh, forward to it. Leslie Headland said some things about uh, writing a Star Wars show and just in general speaking about um, uh, just in general diversity uh, within Hollywood and, and a lack of it and the need for more of it. But mm-hmm. uh, she was she didn't really say a whole lot about Star Wars. But I don't like writing. Writing is terrible. Uh, pitching is exhausting. When people are like, how do I pitch? I'm like, well, sit down for a second. Let me explain to you. Because working on a project for six months until they tell you you don't get the job, especially on these larger level projects like big IPs and Star Wars, Marvel, DC, it's like strap in because it's a lot of work. But the hardest part is getting in the room. And so it's just an interesting little bit of uh, an insight as to somebody that is developing, she's writing and show running um, her own Star Wars TV show we know nothing about. Right. Um, but that potentially it has been in the works for a very long time. So maybe some of the earlier rumors that we had heard about long ago could very well be the show that she's working on. And so it'll be interesting to kind of see where those things can tie up the same way that is Taika Waititi's project, the same one that Kevin Feige's project is. And so Mm. it'll be interesting to see which ones do indeed uh, link up to be the same project. It would the same way Deborah Chow ends up like she's getting a chance. Oh, the Obi-Wan show is the one where she gets the opportunity to do a full it would make sense if Taika and, and uh, Kevin Feige are working together, right? Yeah, it would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Feige said there was specifically a Marvel person that he had uh, in mind to work with for his project. Now, that could just as easily be an actor, though. Right. Um, and lots uh, of opportunities there. Speaking of those people, uh, Brie Larson, uh, it did come out, has auditioned for at least one Star Wars project. Okay, so her right now her big project is literally YouTube. It is. She, she has she, a YouTube channel, and she has been talking about Star Wars a lot. She's, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, she loves Star In fact, yeah. she was on Hot Ones, and she talked about how she loved Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And she's getting, l- like, lambasted on YouTube. Like, she is, like, well, I hate how people hate her so much. It it's a couple of things. She's very famous already. Yeah. And so like they're protective of their precious little communities, which I mean there's something honorable about that. She does have like 120,000 upvotes and 115,000 downvotes on the video though. So that's just people chasing after her then. Like, no, it is. That's but just like, bullying piling on. Yeah. But that's like really disappointing to see because that tells me like I I'm I'm going to guess like Disney probably if the executives have their way, then she probably won't work in Star Wars. Because of the numbers? Yeah. The yeah n- maybe. That, but Except for that, like, it's Captain nice Marvel to... did okay. There was there was the sexist negativity. Yes, and usually but I, this I... is rooted in, in, in misogyny, by the way. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, like, she, there's a famous Brie Larson story where she tweeted about um, feeling creeped out by a TSA guy who was, mm. like, smiling at her or something. This, this like... This story haunts her because, like, she was right to do it. She was made to feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And um, people are constantly bringing it up. Like, and, and it's just like nice guy TMs, Jesus. like, complaining about how they can't be nice to women. Um, and and it's it's a thing that people have decided to latch on to. Yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous because it's really nice to see somebody who loves Star Wars so much. It's the most important thing. Uh, and that's also, the thesis of this podcast. Yeah. And keeps wanting to go back for roles. Something tells me it just it seems more likely it was Jin. Mm. Um, but probably was both Jin and Ray. She probably auditioned for both. Okay. Uh, didn't say specifically. It indicated um, an unspecified number. So it likely so interesting to imagine her as Ray. It's, it's totally different movies, but maybe good. Yeah, I, she definitely, if it was Ray, wasn't one of the people who made it to later in the end. Daisy Ridley was the only. That's another thing that's always weird. I've always questioned as to like. What was her initial purpose? Um, right, like Desi really was the last white person casting for a while. Interesting. I think like the top five were like there was a black girl, couple Asian girls, yeah, um, uh, Daisy Ridley, and like I, almost all of the original artwork. She's Asian. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of cool. Princess Leia in the earliest artwork was Asian. I mean, you could argue that this is this is just like a, a tribute to the samurai western. It's a samurai western. Star Wars is all based on Kurosawa's films. And Obi Wan Kenobi is not North American sounding. Bingo. It's just spelt that way. Bingo. Yes. Right. Exactly. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich. Speaking of people who love Star Wars uh, and want to be in it, and people who are in it and don't give a shit about it. Um, okay. This is not a name I expect to ever hear again, honestly. Alden Ehrenreich. It's a name I'd be game to not hear again in association with Star Wars. Well, yeah, me too. And nothing against him. I happen to know he's talented. But oh, yeah. It's just like, 
it's kind of weird that like for a second we were like, hey, maybe he's the next movie star. And he's just probably not. It's just a failure of an idea. It was. Yeah. To do that movie. Yep. Also um, not his fault. No, not his fault at all. No. But then again, if he doesn't know what the Mandalorian is and hasn't seen The Rise of Skywalker, he doesn't need to be in the Star Wars universe anymore. So, sorry, what were you going to say about Alden? He was in an interview and said those things. Oh. Someone asked him about it and he says, I've heard like just about like potentially reprising the role or Solo 2. And he says, no, there's nothing. I mean, I've heard some things, but nothing's concrete. Right. Um. So, like, my guess is... There is a Crimson Dawn or Lando or Kira. There's something in the works that they've got, reached out to and said, hey, we may want you for something again, but nothing big. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he's part of this world, like he's part of this group, he definitely was invited to the premiere. Like there's no way he wasn't. He should be. He's in the family. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't seen The Rise of Skywalker and you don't even know what The Mandalorian is. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't need you in Star Wars anymore. Oh, no. That's, that's not useful. Yeah. yeah. Anthony and Gruber looks more like like Harrison Ford. And so if we need to like have him in an episode. He's not an actor, though. My point is like deep fake his face in the background. Right. Just so you can say that Han Solo is there. I don't need to see Han Solo again. <laughs> in the background. No, no, it's done. Like, But like, I don't need to see him again. Harrison yeah. Ford was Han Solo. I don't need to see him again. I, I think they probably learned a lesson there. And I know it had been done before with Obi-Wan Kenobi. They struck yep. gold with Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Um, and there was also not the same amount of like weight built. I mean, I know Alec Guinness is a legend and mm. Star Wars was a big deal for 20 years before Phantom Menace came out. But like, it was it, cinema in general is different. Fandom is different now. Mm. You can't just get away with hiring a new guy to play an iconic character willy nilly. No, exactly. And I've I've I have no. Um, it's fine that he hasn't. He's not obsessed with Star Wars. That's mm-hmm. fine. But I I question just whether like the research that was done, how much you care about Star Wars, like just like your approach to the. To Han, and it kind of no you... wonder as to why you didn't feel anything like him because well, you, yeah. you didn't even see like Rise it... of Skywalker. That's the final bit of Han that we got. You don't know the way Han's story even ends, but it makes you want to go back and watch some of his press for that movie because they always ask, "Were you always a Star Wars fan?" Were you always, and they yeah. always say, "Oh, I loved Star Wars." I, of course, I, and like it's almost like they're kind of schooled, and it makes you cynical. But like, it's easy to tell the ones who actually do though, because then they tell stories. Usually that's true. Like Land, yeah. like Donald Glover. Well, yeah, mean, of course. Yeah. Lando, Lando was my favorite skit. Like always, of course, gotta have Lando action figure. I mean, his yearbook Uncle- photo, famously, he's wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. even better than yeah. yeah. And so, like, there's so many examples of that. Yeah, I, I for me, um, if we need uh, a smooth talking. Um, nerf herder in that time period give me lando absolutely any day and i had my problems with that portrayal too but obviously it's it works more yes and you got it right the volume which is his problem right uh ludwig Göransson, very cool music video for the mandalorian um that's been since we did our last podcast yeah Uh, highly recommend anybody sees that just yeah you sent me an amazing video of him like at work yeah and he's He's just like a young hippie, yeah, and, and he's so young, playing it's, with a recorder. Yeah, uh, it's it's so cool, and you get to see him inside the volume. The Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view. There's 40 authors released for that. So, oh man, that should be really interesting. So 40 little stories. Yep. Okay. Uh, maybe a couple of them could have done a couple of them, so there could be more than that as well. Dang. All right. Yep. Very encouraging. Probably no more Poe. Yeah. Right. I think uh, we kind of hinted on that. Did we last say that week. last time? Yeah. Okay, maybe so. I think we did. Yeah, but it's still in my notes accidentally. I guess I didn't just erase it. Yeah, he said unless he needs a house, he's not going to do Star Wars again, which is kind of kind of a, a pissy comment. I get it. I know he yeah. didn't have a very good final um final experience. And and, and do you want to take a moment to mention a little bit of he kind of painted a bit of a picture he gave a little context to why he feels frustrated with the the way post character was oh, resolved yeah you and i talked about this and i didn't uh hear it directly related to this this is something i i heard through something else uh, i don't know the specific truth to it but it makes a ton a ton a ton of sense and is probably completely true that um oscar isaac is is latin american mm-hmm. and latin americans are often uh portrayed stereotyped. and stereotyped as like drug dealers Mm -hmm. in american cinema and what's poe's new background oh no he hasn't been a war hero his whole life he wasn't raised by war heroes to stay part of that he was a drug dealer when he was younger right that's very valid he hot wired cars and was a drug dealer right and they and they like they supplant this backstory as if as if it's everything he always was yeah 
And it feels wrong just in that it's not very good storytelling. And when you add that element that, I mean, I'm white enough to have not realized it, I guess, and shame on me. But, well, Sam, I didn't, I thought it was really interesting. But it's though. such a good point and it's a valid criticism. And then you have on the complete other end of it, you have a black cop mm. who gives up the force because it's too violent. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, because it's corrupt. Yes, it's yeah. corrupt. So you, like, you, you're pulling the anti-stereotype that goes like that slaps like America in the face of like this is what you are right and then the stereotype of this is what you always say is the truth but isn't <laughs> right exactly well you could argue that was kind of ahead of its time it's yeah oh absolutely it's good yeah um and uh, the only other thing that I have uh, in notes uh, is an unfortunate one that would be the the passing of uh, Granty Mahara from MythBusters but also more importantly for for this. Uh, is the the prequels his contribution as the remote controller of r2d2 uh and restored and built a lot of the astromech droids used in the prequels and the models uh and just a beloved beloved member of the star wars community passed away of a brain aneurysm at 49 uh, yeah that's, and that's just unfair and too soon it's so tragic and and if you if you really focus on his contribution to star wars like uh Phantom Menace is such a fabulous techn- mm. technical achievement b- because of the, I mean, we've talked before about like the, the world development, but, but to see everything that we've seen in the micro mm-hmm. built for us in the macro here in this later era, droids are one of the best examples of that, like battle droids and, and roller droids. And I don't know how involved he was in those, but you said astromech droids. Yeah. Like Kenny Baker. Uh, yeah. Was the one who... He was contr- literally he a, was a person in, in a trash can. Yeah. And so then they were able to actually get a specialist to come through. And I mean, if he was 49 this year when he passed away, he must have been so young in Phantom Menace. Oh, he's got like this mustache and some of the behind the scenes, um, <laughs> like the delete, like the special features on the DVDs. Like it's clearly like, because he hasn't had to shave yet in right. his life. Like okay. the mustache is just it's the it's the first mustache of his life sort of uh, thing it's like he's like 20 well rest in peace and uh thank you for your contribution sir there's um a, a few birthdays here in the star wars community but all of them like c and d list star wars family members happy birthday tuesday july 14th to phoebe waller bridge we talked about solo tonight yes her uh, contributions to the world are so much better than outside of than in star wars absolutely wednesday uh, july 15th forrest whitaker um, also kind of just it, it could have been better yeah an interesting character one that uh it, it, i think he, the least interesting part of rogue one for true sure. i believe he's been in clone wars rebels and um and rogue one i believe the they did the best job with him in rebels friday july 17th happy birthday to billy lord who i'd like to nice. see more from yes and wednesday july 22nd happy birthday terrence stamp who played chancellor valorum yes he did <laughs> so we're really like kind of scraping the barrel there um, so I think this is going to be... Finnis Valorum. Is that his first name? Yeah. Finnis? He's Irish. Um, there is a space Ireland. Uh, Gotta cast one. Probably going to retire it after this week. Maybe we'll come back to it down the road, but I think we've kind of... I mean, speaking of scraping the bottom of the barrel, we've probably yeah. exhausted it at least for a little while. Um, and then with a good one then. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, a couple of couple of goofballs. <laughs> Palm Springs is the big new movie. Big okay. critical darling right now. Uh, and uh, also the latest celebrity memoir is a book called Memoirs and Misinformation. So if we're going to cast somebody in Star Wars, is it Palm Springs' Andy Samberg? Or is it that book's writer, Jim Carrey? Oh. I, saw, I thought you were going to go with Christine Malati. Um, I, I think we could easily put her in Star Wars, though. Yeah. That's, so why have the conversation? There you go. Fair enough. I, yeah, Andy Samberg is texted. Um, there's he his, has. He, his face is, can't be anywhere near it. And I don't know if... Maybe like a silly alien. I mean, these are silly guys. Yeah, but Jim Carrey, I think, could be... He could be damn... He could be like goddamn... He could be a serious villain. He's a good enough actor to do it. He's a good actor. When was the last time he acted seriously, though? Because like, don't forget, he was just in Sonic as like the, the mm. crazy supervillain. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see a dark Jim Carrey performance. It would. Like a Sith Lord Jim Carrey. Oh, God. It's so confusing. Like bald, like gaunt. But again, like he's played such cartoony supervillains. Also count Olaf. Like that's, and he's bald in that. Like nothing cartoon, but like he's not bald in that. He's got the most ridiculous hair and goatee and. Uh, He's bald at some point. Isn't Stefano bald? Anyway. uh, Anyway, yeah. Yeah. But. I don't know. Something's. St- I just want like a really gaunt, skeletal, bald Jim Carrey as like a Sith Lord. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with that because I don't know why. Because it just seems 
you could make him an alien. I don't know if you'd, you could make him like a, a rebel who's, um, he could easily be Beckett. He kills that test. Andy Samberg could I, not I, do it. Obviously, Andy Samberg couldn't be Beckett. I don't think Jim Carrey easily passes the Beckett test. I think he could be. I think that's really tough for me to picture. In fact, I think you're, I think you're, um, not giving Samberg enough credit. I think he definitely can appear in Star Wars. I'm not saying he's the next hero's journey, but you don't think he could have been like Don Monahan's character in Rise of Skywalker or nope. somebody like that a little more interesting? Nope. No? No. I think that face is so, so, so Brooklyn. Um, the uh, Or just New York. I guess. He just seems so... I say Brooklyn is a Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but he's so New York. All he right. just seems so millennial and new and not like a G, he, he the the face for texting fair enough um i don't see it that way but i oh i, I hear I, you i really do um but yeah i think a toned down or just like really dead-eyed jim carrey um in like a beckett type role or like a really really menacing sith all right well let us know who you would like to see in star wars jim carrey andy samberg Email us, recorder66podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us at recorder66, rate and review on your preferred podcast app. What are you going to watch to be caught up with us uh, by next episode? I don't know. We've run out of Star Wars to recap here on episode uh, 82 of the podcast. It's been a couple of years. It was a long undertaking. And I think at the beginning we thought, man, this is going to take us a really long time. Well, we took us longer than we expected. We wanted to make sure we didn't run out of stuff before episode nine and then aligned it well and the Mandalorian came out. Yeah, it was fine. Then uh, Clone Wars ended out strong. And so, uh, no, it worked out really well in that regard. And So we've got some ideas for what we're going to do with podcasts going forward. So uh, we're not done yet. No. So keep a watch on the uh, on the old feed. And uh, until we're together again, may the force be with you. Always. Always.